turned out to be a punk rocker. You know what I do? Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Facts. Welcome to Records and Bands. I'm Rob. Sam is with me today as we welcome Steve Goode from No Poetry Music down in Cardiff. How are you, Steve? Nice to meet you. I'm good, man. Yeah, all good. Nice um, to see you guys. Do you and Sam go back a little bit? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, probably longer than you'd imagine, I think. Probably. I've, I'm guessing like 2016 we probably met. Yeah. Which is a long time ago now, isn't it? Feels it's it. <laughs> 2016, 2017. Yeah. So when I met Steve um, and I said I was going to make you blush and I plan to do that fully, I remember meeting you and thinking, he's a cool guy. And I remember seeing you guys play in Hide Your Eyes and just thinking, you don't see that very often. And because you're uh, such a good front man. Oh, brilliant. Um, Thank you. Like, <laughs> you've got a good voice. You've got quite a distinctive voice. And like you're really charismatic with it. And I just remember watching and thinking, These are, this is a cool band and he's a cool guy. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that, man. That's very kind of you. I think, um, yeah, distinctive is the most polite way to describe my singing voice, I think. Uh, my logic was always like, we were kind of punk. And I think the louder and the kind of worse you are as a singer, the better a punk band you really are. So. <laughs> well, I've just... taken that and run with it. <laughs> yeah. No, no it's, it's all about showing off, isn't it? It's just fun. Putting on a show, putting on a gig doesn't always necessarily mean you have to be the best singer to be the best sort of, to be a good performer. Yeah. And I, I would firmly put you in that performer category mate i think uh <laughs> thank you it, it's a good a good and, he, and then I, I saw you again so you've, you've obviously been in a few bands that which we'll get to um saw you playing with fox bite um and I, I just remember you almost i don't know you were like pouring out of the microphone into someone it was great it was really cool i just remember thinking like he's he's, he's good at this he's he's really fucking good at this in fact <laughs> thanks man <laughs> um, so you're here to do the 10 questions of doom but before we get into that, can we have a bit of a chat about your no poetry music? Um, what it is you do, how long you've been doing it, and a bit about like what's involved with promoting bands, putting on shows. Um, but you used to work with uh, or play with um, our favourite producer Ryan. Shout out AR Studios. Yeah, oh, awesome, absolutely. Shout out AR Studios, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> he's a. Uh, it's cool that he's still. He's probably the only person I think in hide your eyes that's kind of still doing music professionally other than me i think mm. which is awesome uh yeah he's, he's just never never stopped that grind which is one of the best things about that man he's a very talented producer and incredible drummer as well so. it's annoying isn't it <clears throat> it is annoying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've only met him the ones i went up to um tag along with sam when he did one of his christmas singles and it's like over two days ryan very quickly became one of my favorite people <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's oh, he's the most he's he really um what i love about him as a producer because we we used him for fox bites obviously he was in the band in hide your eyes so he naturally was producing all of our band stuff but then um when i left hide your eyes and we started fox bite um we all went back to ryan and it was kind of it was quite cool to work with ryan exclusively just as a producer um while well, like if you like you say you've observed him he just puts himself he's like in the band do you know what i mean like he's, he's he cares so much about the song that you're working on that it's like it's his baby just as much as it is yours. And I think that's that's the mark of a really 
good producer. Yeah, well, enough, yeah, well, enough about good, Ryan. He'll get his own show at some point. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you should definitely yeah. do that. Definitely we, we had him on, we were talking, uh, <laughs> well, probably this time last year, we were talking about um, Siamese Dream, Smashing Pumpkins, and like, a lot oh, of cool. the production side around that, and we got his insight into that. Um, oh, nice. So, no poetry music, that's a bit of a promotion thing, is it? It's like... Yeah, so it's it started... Um, Sorry, there's gunshots outside Excellent. of Cardiff. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, no poetry. It started as a no poetry promotions back in 2017. About that time, me and me and Sam probably met. Um, yeah, just exclusively putting on gigs in Hereford. Then we did one in one or two in Worcester, and then kind of ventured a little bit into sort of booking tours, but mostly just for my own band really at the time. Um, yeah, so it started as that. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more diverse now since I've, I've kind of run away and gone to uni and got involved in, in the South Wales mm-hmm. scene. It's a little bit, I now kind of offer some industry consultancy services, right. uh, artist development. I manage a band, a uh, very talented grunge piece called Squidge cool. from Bristol. Um, and then I also offer sort of ad hoc booking sort of by gig basis to, to various other yeah, bands. We might in, get in into Cardiff. that in a little bit more detail. In a minute. So you started off in Hereford and then cool. you moved everything down to yeah. Cardiff. Um, how long did it take to like, find your feet in in what's obviously a much bigger city and like did it take a while to find out what was going on or where you might get a foot in the door or did you have still have contacts from like doing stuff in Hereford or so I was yeah totally built on the contacts I made in Hereford so what I found quite early on in Hereford and this is still true and I think if, a, if another promoter kind of takes this mantra and brings it back to Hereford I think you could do quite well again um Hereford is so geographically like perfectly placed for tour routing as a base because you're only an hour away from Birmingham you're only an hour a bit away from Cardiff you're only an hour and a bit from Bristol so if you can find some big A-town kind of touring bands that are doing those big cities and offer them a place to stay for three nights in Hereford if they play for you in Hereford slightly cheaper at the end of the tour um that's what I used to do in in when we when the booth hall was running um yeah yeah, I was going to say... the rest of that question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was like 10 in there, wasn't Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not... The, the, I lose my train of thought. Um, no, I was just wondering, like, so once you got to Cardiff, like, you obviously, you had mm. those... Um... Sorry, yeah, yeah, there we go. That's well, That was my point, yeah. So in doing that and bringing all these bands to, to Hereford, I was able to meet, like, booking agents and other promoters, and most promoters are also in bands, so they're always looking for gigs, and then once you put on a promoter, they kind of owe you a gig, right? So... I did Hydra Eyes especially did quite a lot in Cardiff. Um just just as punters as well, like me and me and Dom and, and Lou and that would always come and, and and see gigs in Cardiff just as as punters, like uh small great gigs too, grassroots, you know, be at fuel, be at the moon. Um yeah, there's a great there's a great community there that I was already kind of part of before I moved to Cardiff. It was probably the reason I moved to Cardiff was because I already had those those friends and those those contacts. How would... Yeah, so when I Sorry. I was gonna say when I when I got here, it was kind of didn't it, you know didn't feel far didn't feel that far from home. Like the, it was all the same the same network I was using in Hereford. I just brought to Cardiff. It's the Excellent. same thing. How is the scene in yeah. Cardiff for that sort of like just under the radar? Like, yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Mate. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. No, it's uh, there's nowhere like it. Um, obviously, Womanby Street's quite famous in in the grassroots grassroots scene. Um, but even beyond that, there's there's so many different little um different little music gems like porters which I'd, I'd never really 
ventured in until I moved here, but that's it's a really cool venue that's kind of dedicated to to giving mm-hmm. grassroots opportunities, um, not just in rock and alternative as well. I think that's something I was kind of ignorant to before I moved here is actually how much of a music tapestry there is in Cardiff at that level of all genres. Um, Cardiff, well, South Wales's rap scene is just amazing, and they're they're almost like the it's like the new punk right. band. They're like doing it all themselves. No one will give them a chance. So they're booking venues themselves. They're, there's like ten guys and, and 15, 20 people all on stage just throwing a mic to each other. It's really cool. It's nothing like. Do you it. think that's kind so, of a yeah, spillover awesome. for because like back in like the nineties, Bristol was massive, wasn't it? And everyone moved to Bristol. Do you think there's maybe some spillover from those days? It's kind of like transplanted a little bit just over the bridge and. Or is it all very organic? Um, do you feel? No, I think Cardiff scenes, especially, is, is organic, man. It's it's a lot of Welsh pride. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see Welsh artists looking after each other in that way too. Yeah, I think um, obviously Bristol's not far either. So like a lot of people mm. nip to Bristol for a grassroots show. It's like you can you can get a train for 40, you know forty minutes sometimes uh, to Bristol and back. So um, Bristol is probably the closest kind of comparative scene but i think they lack what the cardiff scene has such a like i said like a welsh yeah kind of grind it's it's really cool a bit more uh, of an ca- identity almost yeah that's it yeah it's because nah, but that, that makes it sound like bristol doesn't bristol does yeah, yeah. too but i think <laughs> there's just so much welsh history involved in the kind of the way that the the, the community around and, here like do things it's yeah, really cool over the years you've had lots of artists and bands like move to bristol to get involved in there whereas if cardiff is more organic then you've got people from more people from that area building something together i yeah. suppose yeah for sure swansea's pretty impressive too swansea's on the up as well Excellent. it's awesome south wales is just cool as well um was the original plan of yours then um or not plan plan makes it seem like it's devised but um was it like playing music was what first drove you, you down there and then it's evolved into promotional work or was it always that kind of side of it that you were interested in? Have you always had an interest in promo stuff? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I was performing first. I think it was more that there weren't, well, Sam, you'll remember this sort of era. There just weren't many gigs at all. No, the booth had just started and they were like trying to push heavy, but even then it was still a slow burner right at the beginning. Well, we've and, spoken um, on here a few times about how, like, I, I was going to ask you a similar question in a sec. Um, like, that booth hall there was sort of like yourself rich and michelle we spoke we've had on andy as well and mm. uh, there were others i know and i i always forget people and i always feel bad but like kirsty bro kirsty hey little monster ah uh, yes of course Ab- absolute gem of the scene kirsty was yeah um and that was yeah that that was um i feel like I've, i'm repeating myself i can't remember where i've spoken about this um Oh, we it was when we recorded last, but yeah, it felt like the booth hall when we as a band discovered that it was like, oh, hang on, there's there is something sort of cooking here. Yeah, too right. So yeah, as soon as we as soon as I, we found a venue, I think Hydrize we put on our first gig just as us. I think AR Studios had a load of branding on it, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was kind of Hydrize presents Hydrize rather than a promoter. Yeah. But I. Oh no, say no. The first gig actually was Kirsty. Kirsty sorted our first ever gig. Right. Um, but after that, we, the, next, the second gig we booked, we did it ourselves. And it was like, this was, it was just fun. We got to bring like some friends over from Worcester, a, a Worcester band. Uh, they were called the Loved and Lost at the time. I think they've broken up now, sadly. Um, 
and that was really exciting to me was like bringing all this new stuff to Hereford was I caught the, I caught the bug then so the original intention was actually just to get myself gigs um and then I also it also dawned on me that if you sort of band out they kind of owe you a gig so as cool and as vibey as Hereford scene was you can't make any kind of you can only make so much noise in one little in one town anyway yeah. um even in a city like Cardiff I think more artists need to kind of try and venture out to different cities and different scenes and not get too comfy um it was really easy to do that when I started putting on gigs for Hide Your Eyes it was really easy to find shows everywhere else then um so yeah I guess the original intention was to get more gigs for Hide Your Eyes and also just put on gigs for Hide Your Eyes in Hereford but then I totally caught that bug I love putting on gigs <laughs> so how often do you have gigs on a then or how often are you put stuff on and how is no poetry music evolved over the few years since then yeah so like i said earlier it's, it's evolved into a much more kind of music industry focused um so more like a consultancy now is what i tend to try and go for um, at any point if you want to brag about your fancy degree in anything mate go for gold it's all right oh yeah okay <laughs> well no that, that that totally did that is what changed the game that was the catalyst so when i i'd already decided i was kind of done with hereford and i wanted to move to cardiff i didn't really know how best to do that I didn't have a job lined up or anything like that. I thought I'd just go to uni. And there's the yeah, they, USW would do this music business degree. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. Um, so yeah, I went and did that. But then that, through the knowledge I gained there, it was like, oh, okay, I've already been doing some of these roles anyway. Just didn't know that's what I was doing. And now I know how to do them better. So it's, it's kind of like that now, yeah. So in terms of gigs, I put on like, I don't do so many these days. It's more like the down on the farm stage um, yeah. and the occasional kind of touring band i'm looking at maybe starting a club night in cardiff soon like an alternative club night uh, i was going to ask do you have like a a little bit like the the, the booth hall in hereford is there do you have like a a hub if you will oh yeah but a woman street it's like a whole it's the whole street in terms of me personally i'm, I'm always using the moon i love the moon yeah. um i've worked there for a little while as well so i know the team very well and i know the the ethos behind the moon is is it's totally grassroots they're a not-for-profit venue they're sort of mvt kind of um like golden child there's such a it's such a great space um capacity is quite good it's a little bit dirty a little bit dive bar it's good good fun for especially for like punk and, and sort of your heavy yeah. metal shows and that um yeah so that's that's kind of my base but i've just as just as happily used fuel or one of the rooms in club of or tiny rebel tiny rebel have a really cool space upstairs uh that they hire out as well so um so what else is involved <laughs> in like this more sort of like holistic approach to bands and that you're getting into what well, do you like, mean, sorry? You talk about like band man, management like developing and, sort of, and developing artists and that sort of stuff. How does that fit in? Uh, with no, well, with the gigs, kind of, um, I suppose the first thing is like the bands on my roster get the yeah, first yeah. dibs on cool on the cool shows. Like if there's a cool touring, big touring band coming in to Cardiff through my mailbox, then they're going to they're gonna get the main support probably. But again, Squid are quite, they're, they're, they've got a really good following in Cardiff anyway. So although they're not Cardiff local, they tend to bring like a, a similar crowd to like a, a strong Cardiff headliner anyway. Um, so that in terms of the two crossovers of the, the managing a band and sort of promoting shows, that's kind of the only right, time okay. it really does. Yeah. They are almost like different okay. jobs I do in a way. Um, it's quite easy. Like nowadays with digital streaming and it, like bands are on the same platforms is like established acts on major labels and that, but because it's easier to get, your stuff out there it feels like it's maybe harder to cut through the noise um because like yeah. even word of mouth is digital nowadays isn't it um so how 
like what what are you doing to make sure that like or what can you be doing to get bands noticed through all of that noise certainly like online and stuff like that or are you just pretty much on the ground all the time uh no you got you kind of have to be a little bit of all of it um i think the the big thing for me is is trying to get especially grassroots artists to understand like what they want from a like a service provider so i'm thinking like a record like everyone still wants a record deal but no one really knows yeah. why um because you're right it's so much more accessible now to create music you can you can make like a solid like radio one ready record in your bedroom with a macbook mm -hmm. you, you don't need you know you don't need any studio or any producer i still recommend it if you want the best <laughs> chance obviously but arstudios.co.uk but <laughs> he's on message <laughs> but the point the, the point being like it's it's so much more accessible to create music to collaborate with music as well i think that's a big thing like you can have a band and none of the none of the members live in the, in the same country there's a really cool um like synth band called niburu that i've been friends with for many years and like one of them is in australia one lives in wales and the other lives in ireland and they make some really cool tunes and they i don't think they've ever actually met each other it's like it's <laughs> awesome and then like you said from there you can you can upload your stuff without any mm. kind of capital investment um in terms of standing out like you have to just be more interesting like that's that's it it's not good enough now to just be a good good band like that's a good start but like be a content you know, creator as well i suppose almost a hundred percent yeah you, you kind of have to stay on top of those trends it doesn't mean you need to be on everything but i think you need to know how everything works to know which platforms mm. you can utilize it's really yeah it's one of the hardest times to be a band in a way for, for that or an artist yeah, so I find that interesting, sort of like, because I, I was in bands sort of like, almost like straight out of school, out of college, sort of 17, 18. And like, the idea of having like, a CD was like as big as it got, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the idea that like, um, you could just put it onto a platform, like, so obviously Spotify didn't exist then, but like, um, that has come so far it's amazing it, in like it is a bit of a double-edged sword i think where like you know there's so much out there now that it is it can be hard but then you've got that at least got that opportunity to to compete almost compete yeah. might be the wrong word um, i know what you're saying though um but yeah and it is amazing how like um how far sort of like recording has come but like you're saying we um like me and Rob speak to a guy and he sort of makes um, like ambient music and it's it it's incredible what he can do on Garage Band. Mm. <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean he's making stuff on Garage Band that sounds orchestra vibes like, yeah. that's it, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it sounds better than stuff you probably would have paid quite a lot of money to do like a decade ago. No, that's quite a long time, but so you said about like CDs and like that, you know, we're not even talking that long ago, bro. We this that's like in the last, you know. We had a CD, and that was like a huge deal for us. Yeah, but spot. So there's, it's the big, the other big thing with that conversation is how music consumption has changed so dramatically. So now, like getting a CD printed for most artists, it's just gonna be a waste of money. Like, you you can't even write songs now, really, um, as like a collection. You know what I mean? Like you'd write an album, you put a lot of thought into the track listing, mm. and you make sure everything flows, and there's a theme, and it's it it in itself is a collection of of artworks that creates one sort of artwork whereas now with like so spotify kind of killed the album with playlist culture like nobody listens to albums now nobody nobody will listen to an album on a whim like you need to find 
half an hour of your day to go and listen to something you're just not gonna you're gonna listen to the main single that from that band maybe or you'll find it on a playlist and that's not to say there isn't like a value in still creating albums and creating like collections of work and i think depending on the genre and the, the kind of niche and the kind of crowd that you're you're involved in it's still relevant so squidge for example i think like the grunge and the punk ethos they still like albums they like eps at least they like mm-hmm. a they, especially if you know songs are like a minute and a half long right like it's not quite the same same demand as maybe like a pop artist or, or a pop rock or even sort of pop punk mm-hmm. um you you have to make like a banging song to be able to find playlist exposure to then blow up from that and then you need to do it again and again and again yeah. and then maybe you repackage the five singles as an ep but like that's just for bundling it's not really you know you, you haven't written those five songs together as an ep but then that's changed even more now so now tiktok's out you don't even need like a full song now it's no. about now it's about finding a 30 second segment in your song that's going to go viral and people are people are writing for that now you know like people write a 30 second song and then build a song around it it's crazy isn't it and um, when it comes to squidge and like you say getting that exposure how much of that are you involved in with your role as like the band manager or is that do you kind of leave that to the band and then chuck it out on your channels or are you involved yeah, so, in it quite heavily no, no i'm not involved in it that heavily at all so squidge squidge are they're very fortunately very talented individuals in media in their own ways so uh james for example he's like a touring tech for ed sheeran and all sorts of comp and all sorts of massive company big productions and things um and then you've got like tom to the drummer he's a session drummer he's just come back from from um from america i can't remember who's playing with probably shouldn't remember that but he's, he's done some bits in america but he's also like one of the best like photographers i know uh, and he's really into videography too so like their photography and their videos are always like high standard low budget because tom just did it do you know what i mean jordan uh, he used to work in pr so he's straight away pretty good at radio plug-in and kind of writing a good press release, writing a good song description, which is arguably one of the hardest things to do about your own music. So he's very <laughs> good at that. Um, and together they they create kind of like, they just have this really good voice. Um, George as well, I should mention, George is also a very good producer. So <laughs> <laughs> Poor George. <laughs> Can't leave George out. <laughs> you might know George. Do you know George? He uh, plays in Hedgehog and the Clementines. He's a Hereford boy. I know the band. I don't think I know him though. Yeah, so he, he joined Squidge sort of uh, probably about two years ago now um but yeah he's just he's just finished a, a fancy masters in, in production and he's he's he produces all all the squidge stuff yeah, now yeah. so again the quality's gone up and the pricing has gone down it's really mm. cool um but with that they there is no one better qualified to kind of promote their music other than mm. them obviously i help the same way they all kind of you know we all put it for our individual channels as well um but they are like together they kind of make a really good media team and a really good like publicist um so yeah, they're, they're fortunate though. Uh, in terms of like management, I think the the key role as a manager is 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 you have you kind of have to know a little bit about every every role in the industry to be able to advise your artist on the best action to take and the best deals to take on those roles. So you know, like you're talking about a publicist, hmm. basically. I'm not a publicist, but, but you do I, the I know role what a publicist, of a publicist for your band, like to, doing, only yeah, to a small yeah. extent. It's more like when they're ready to invest in a publicist, it'll be me that kind of finds right. one, susses them out. You know, you could you could you just have to know enough to know when you're being kind of taken for a ride or not, mm. and know that the value. And that's the same for all corners of the industry, whether we look for an external booking agent or there's a record deal on the table, anything like that. You need to kind of know a little bit about all of it. Again, being a promoter and being in a band and all, all the rest of it before I got here, before uni, was really valuable in 
insight on that because I'd already done at least some version of each role like ad hoc and very very naively back in the day but yeah um, without giving away any uh sensitive business secrets is this now a full-time thing or is it does it like supplement a day job or is it something that you hopefully one day will be worldwide taking over the globe i don't know if i want no, worldwide, no, I know. but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if i want last stress uh no poetry it's still it's still like still my moment my main motivation um it's not my full-time job by any stretch but it's it earns well enough for me to invest time in it. Um, to be honest, most of the profit I ever make on No Poetry just goes into capital, into new risks, so bigger bands for gigs, bigger kind of resources for me, like that kind of thing, new databases, new programs. Um, my main job, I, so I'm quite lucky to run, I, I GM a music listening bar in Cardiff, so it's Cardiff's first music listening bar. It's called Paradise Garden, plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> it's a very different space to what I'm kind of, what I grew up in, sort of much much more dancey, but still really alternative, still really kind of grassroots, still really cool scene. But that's my main job. And then the free time I have allows me to kind of work on the the heart and the passion, you know. Excellent. That's it. And like some of, me and Rob spoke about it literally six hours ago. Um, is that like it you're saying your heart and your passion and like you're trying to find that space in your day to sort of pursue these things, like, you know, um, and I, I think it shows, I think it's more commitment almost than it being your full-time gig in some ways. Definitely, definitely. To, like, to still have that kind of, you know, that drive, whatever you want to describe it as, to think, right, you know, I've had a busy day at work, but I've got an idea for a song that I'm going to go and try and bash out on the acoustic for a for an hour or, like... Well, with the podcast, oh, I, to... I can be, edit- I can be well, editing yeah. at 6 o'clock in the yeah, morning... Too. Like before I get, you know, I've got to get my bus at quarter to seven, but I've got half an hour. I can, you know, get 20 minutes along that timeline on the editing done or whatever. And it's just like, I, I spend my lunch break like today writing up notes for this tonight. And it's just, I'd rather be doing this full time than my day job because it sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah, doesn't pay. But... I think I'm quite fortunate. I do, I do really like yeah. my, my sort of main hustle as well. So it's, quite fortunate there and my boss is super supportive and he you know he helps no poetry out all the time so he's he's a promoter in his own right and in a totally different world to what what i'm doing but there's there's some crossover and he always looks after me so yeah i'm excellent it's 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 finding that that bit isn't it it's like when the project is ready to kind of be like yeah. okay i can i can now afford to take some time off work it's the same for i mean most every band is gonna at least dream of getting to that point right to the yeah. point where you have to have that awkward conversation about whether or not you want to quit your job and pursue it because it's making money it's it's becoming self-sustainable at least um yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat you know no poetry doesn't pay the bills but it, it's certainly a lot of fun and it almost yeah. pays for itself almost pays for itself um, so. well that's it that's what we're we you know to, to talk about me for a second um <laughs> that's the sort of position we're trying to get into with with like the angry barrels is that like we can it afford it pays for itself you know like we we don't put a hand in our pocket very often for to, for to record or, or stuff like that it's you know money that we get that we make from selling cds or selling t-shirts which you know isn't massive but you know or gigs and, and stuff like that that money just just funds it and it, it's just trying to keep that kind of you know keep that ticking over is is where we're at really but that's quite it's quite cool in a way uh, yeah it doesn't you know it's not going to pay my mortgage but I'm not having to find that kind of 
chisel that money soon out of a, a pot, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that's the it's similar with this. Um, little, um, <clears throat> as Sam told you, we've set up this little micro record label. No, um, you haven't. I, well done, God. Sam. You had one job. Yeah, sorry. I thought that's what we're going to talk that's about. That's what tonight. we are talking about. Tonight, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I thought you. So basically, we've set up this. We Sounds said good. just a very micro label um, initially to put out Sam's forthcoming EP and then hopefully do some kind of like compilation thing down the road. And then, but the idea is that I have a certain amount of money that I can put into it. Let's call it 100 quid. There's not a lot of money, mm-hmm. it's hobby money. Um, so I'll put 100 quid into this project. Anything we can make off the back of this project will go into the next project. And then I'll top it up with another hundred quid because hobbies and fun cost yeah. money, don't they? And that's and that's, See, that's where basically... we are at the moment. So that's awesome. So that's and that's you know that's still new. So that's sick. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, no, no apologies. That's kind of how I the whole time I was in Hereford. That's yeah. what it was. The same sort of thing. You know, you, I can book a bigger band now because I, there's this little bit yeah. of extra risk capital, yeah. and I can chuck a little bit more on, kind of thing. But then sometimes you lose all that money yeah. as well. Promo is. Promo's tough, so it's, yeah. but yeah, if I think there's a there's a figure in my head that I'm happy if for the right project, I'm happy to get happy to go to that point, you know, with my own family budget money, like, and then mm-hmm. that's what I'm happy to invest for my time and my fun in this in this project, and then we'll see how yeah, long we can it. make it last. Um, <laughs> this little bit that we've just done, I'll put that out in a couple of weeks. So if you've got anything you want to plug coming up in July and August, if your band's out working or if you've got any shows on, give that a shout now and then we'll do the Q&A bits in a minute. Yeah, sick. So August, is, it's all about down on the farm, right? Mm. So, yeah. You're slumming it with us. Yeah, always, man. <laughs> always. Cool. Thank you for all that. It's really interesting like for me as we dip into this little micro-label project I was on about um, just to see where we can be useful to some bands maybe. So, uh, yeah, Steve, thank you very much. That's great. Shall we jump into the questions for Doom, Sam? Uh, we can. can. Can I just grab a side? Yeah, man. <laughs> I was going to say, I just need to go and feed the yeah, dog, on, which isn't right. Uh, so, right, we'll take yeah, a little like break. A couple of minutes and then, uh, nice. See you in a minute. Nice. I'll see you in a sec. Right, I'm back. Cool. You're in charge now. Oh, hang on. I haven't got the questions. Hang on, I have Oh, no, not really, no. you can do the questions. Yeah. Hello. I got no cider. I got this fucking Marks and Spencer's session IPA. It's disgusting. M and S. Someone's yeah. doing all right. You think? Yeah, but it's fucking awful. Like it, <laughs> it, it's, it's like bollock wash, mate. <laughs> Clip clap for the promo. Right. Times are hard. <laughs> Down with M and S. Sam Wood's <laughs> going to be in charge with this, but as usual, he's he's uh, not prepared at all. Wow, well, so, I wouldn't say at all. He's just <laughs> disappeared. He's still there. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm here. I've dropped the phone. Oh, okay, cool. You got them. Apparently, Sleaford Mods are supporting Blur at Wembley. I'm not going, but right. <laughs> that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a little right. Fun. Shall we jump into the questions of Doom? Are we all prepared? Are we all ready? Um, so Sam yeah. should have sent you the question, so you could have had some fun sorting through them, so, changing your mind a hundred so... times. That's the thing. I gl- basically I glanced over them the first time and I was like, just to, yeah, these are all, these are fun. These are okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, I've literally changed my mind yeah. like six times. So I c- I've, can't remember them. So we're just going to. Oh, riff. excellent. 
Oh, nice. There we go. Be a while. I, I remember I had an answer for most Excellent. of them. So. <laughs> See if it's the same now as it was yesterday when you sent me Excellent. on the game. Well, yeah. the first one, as always, is can you tell us your top three bands of all time or your top three albums of all time? Or if you want to do both, do both. Yeah, so <clears throat> top three bands. It's got to be Blink-182. They're an absolute staple of who I am today, which says a lot. <laughs> uh blink i'm really into bring me these days bring me the horizon especially sort of the later stuff i really like that it's real awesome. a new album cool. recently didn't they yeah everything they do man every album just breaks new ground i did an essay on it actually <laughs> <My first. laughs> about how like everybody always hates the new bring me stuff every time like every single album they piss off all their fans and then somehow quadruple their following <laughs> and uh you know ollie sykes first man to scream on the brits that's cool as hell so bring me I've got to put bring me up there and then um i'll probably just pick an album i'd say infest by papa roach was a very important album to me probably one of my all-time favorites um having seen you perform and the sort of music that you play that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah it's a good point actually yeah, <laughs> is that the papa roach album the one with like last resort and that on it yeah yeah too right you yeah. metal with your bag then was it uh, well, yeah, I wasn't as big into Linkin Park then as I probably should be. I kind of got more into them later when they got a bit more artsy with like a thousand sons and stuff. But yeah, just Infest was just like, I think I, oh, I'll tell you how I found it. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, <laughs> Blood Brothers. Yeah. I remember being like four and being like, this song's Those awesome. Those <laughs> Tony Hawk games have got a lot to answer for, haven't they? Oh, dude, that, that's that's absolutely where I come from musically, 100%. Just everything from my hip-hop taste to, like, metal through to pop punk and punk is all built on Tony Hawk soundtracks. But again, they did, they were, like, the original yeah, playlists, right? So, mm. oh, so we, yeah. we had the yeah, skate kids before we had any PlayStations, you see. So yeah, Old man Jones. Shout. <laughs> so there's a really... If you want to know the origin of those skate vids and, like, how they how skateboarding became so ingrained with that music culture. There's a really cool, uh, really cool interview with Brett Gurewitz from Epitaph Records for the foundation of that, yeah. you know, like back in the day, the bad, like the early bad religion. If you're starting a label, you should definitely check, yeah. check that out. Um, so. Yes. Um, I saw something where he, a documentary with him around um, the Offspring album, Smash, and like how it all blew, yeah. basically because of that album, everyone Change. else got, got, got paid, like, you know, so yeah 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 well he got everyone sort of put the boot in for a while didn't they and it was kind of like the sellout thing but he was like well i may have sold out quote unquote but it was all to set up epitaph wasn't it and well, this is, so this is the thing about this Epi- other hundred bands that's yeah, right but it's bigger than that man epitaph is my f- you didn't ask me this, but my favorite record label culturally is Epitaph <laughs> Records, man. They're, so yeah, like they're, they're every every they just keep on trends of alternative. That's the whole point. So for example, like when I was growing up, it was like Escape the Fate and like from first to last and all these like emo bands, these whiny kind of like long hair, makeup wearing emo bands that all the punk kids who liked no effects and and um offspring and stuff absolutely despise it. It's like that's not punk, that's not real punk. And ev- Epitaph have just been at the head of that generation every single time. So right now, like, I can't name any artists off the top of my head, but I was really, I was doing some, I was doing a piece on them again for uni like a year or two ago, um, and they most of the roster now is like emo rappers. It's like these that new generation are kind of like the 
the one guy that sounds like a full band and it's lo-fi and it's kind of rappy and a bit auto-tuny and again all the all the kids like my age are like that's not real emo that's not real punk <laughs> but it's exactly saying right back to the beginning of epitaph when started with bad religion and then like you said they found the success with smash all the old socal punks were like that's not real punk that's pop like sell out sell out but it's every mm-hmm. it's the same thing with bring me basically um i think that's a really good indicator of a good of a good project is when everybody who liked it before doesn't think it's the same i think that just means you're evolving <laughs> it's easy to just keep I, making I, the same record over and over again once you've found that yeah um, like no old i suppose so well who wants like who wants a hundred versions of bad religion yeah. do you know what i mean like we love bad religion bad religion or bad religion we don't need a shit or a shit version yeah. of that 90 times what we want is the next big thing right epitaph I, is sick big big love to epitaph record I do love how um, you've just described like old emos, like old punks. I think that's great. I think that we, we've reached that point now, haven't we? Dude, have you noticed, have you noticed like, it's, uh, you know, this compilation, like the now compilation? Yeah. Like, now that's what I call dad rock. And it's like blink and weakness. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just because yeah. of the age difference, like my kid, he's 16 in September. He refers to Nirvana as dad rock. And I'm just like, you bastard. <laughs> like, <laughs> chuck them in the sea i think um steve what was the first record you bought with your own money or you maybe asked someone to go out and buy for you so don't be cool I don't try was... and be cool just no I, Kylie, I just do that Kylie. naturally <laughs> <laughs> no no it was um the first so i got the first record i was ever given that was like my own first ever cd was uh, a friend of my mum's and it was uh maroon five songs about jane just still actually one of my top favorite albums definitely top 10 um it's just like a really good alternative rock album like it's, it's mad like what what adam levine and maroon viper came but like that album was awesome um and that was kind of the that was the first record i owned i think the first record i bought with my own money was infest by papa roach and i had been skating with my mates who, i would have been like 10 maybe something like that and i found it in dino the dino Excellent. market remember the dinosaur the, market yeah, yeah 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 so they had like loads of like used cds like second hand cds and they, they were all like 50p or whatever and i was like i know those songs like last resort blood brothers and i was like yes so that's the first cd i think i bought my, my own money and then uh the first cd i waited for release day to buy was underclass hero by some 41 i remember that very very vividly because i didn't i couldn't remember the release date and i kept forgetting so i just kept going back to hrv to see if they had it like that week and uh yeah i bought that on launch day with my own money i can tell you the year it was 2007 like you know what i mean i remember that moment very very i think it's really sad that um there's almost like a generation who won't know that feeling of going to the record shop and waiting for i know it's slightly different rob obviously lil your daughter she's getting into buying vinyl which is kind of the same but kind of not, no, quite. not quite. No, because you can um, still you can still listen to it. Like yeah, on Spotify yeah. as soon as it comes out, you still. That's it. Yeah, it's the anticipation of having it in your fucking hand and like. Yeah. Can I swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, sound. yeah, that, yeah. it's like yeah, having it in your hand on the bus home. Like ah, oh, like I remember. Oh, I remember it so vividly. If I, I think we. Sorry, go on, no, sorry, I don't say. Yeah. I was just gonna say similarly. <laughs> I remember um probably a record that you you you'd probably appreciate. I remember we. We all snuck off at lunchtime up, uh, from school in Lempster. We all snuck off at lunch into town to buy uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket when that first <laughs> yeah, came out. Buddy. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, sort of, I don't know, 14, 15, however old we were. That would have been like 2000, 
two, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I been around. Make you feel old. It? it was around yeah, American yeah. Pie era, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Films that don't age well. Oh well, no, no. <laughs> albums that don't age well. But <laughs> <laughs> and what's the last album you listened to all the way through? Um, can I check? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, left an impact. <laughs> uh, well this is the thing I'm, I'm all about playlists now so i've got like favorite songs right now and i've listened to the other songs with the same artist and i'm like these suck like this one song is amazing but everything <laughs> it's just not up for me um oh the last album i listened to all the way through was holding absence the self-titled the, the, the debut album so they're they're a really really impressive cardiff band and they're doing bits now they're like you know they're headlining the big shows now so but that album's amazing that's one of those rare moments where like a band is still doing an album as a single piece and there's a lot of thought into the track listing and it is like a, a work of art in itself and i love that i love that album excellent yeah. so you spend a lot of time um putting on gigs you played gigs um you go and watch a lot of gigs go and watch a lot of bands where you are can you remember the first gig you went to yes oh absolutely the first ever gig i went to i was 13 it was november 2009 and it was in cardiff actually so we my mum had driven me and my my brother, my stepbrother, so we were my best friends growing up. It was awesome. We were same year at school, uh, lived together, shared a room together, same music taste. We went and saw Rise Against with Poison the Wild on Thursday at oh, Cardiff. Wow. I know that was my first ever gig. Uh, <laughs> my mum came. I was technically I was only thirteen. Ryan was fourteen, but uh, so he was allowed, but I wasn't really allowed because it was like minimum fourteen. <laughs> But, this yeah, reads I'm, like, I'm, like, like a Spider-Man comic, and this is your like emo uh, origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred percent. That's when I fell in love with like, oh, okay, it's a whole different world when it's in front of you, right? Like I've listened to music for my whole life at that point, but like that's the first time I saw like a, a big band that like I was starstruck. You know, it was also Tim McIlrath like shredding it. It was really cool. I'll never forget that. I've still got so I bought a poster at that gig. Um, it was like for the same lineup but in Germany so they didn't have any like Cardiff posters but I bought that and I've got it framed in my bedroom above my bed oh, still uh, with all the corners are like ripped off and where it's like been moved around my bedroom like for the last 15 years or something <laughs> but now I'm a grown up it's framed <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, all the tears, yeah. with all the tears in it and I got I got the gig ticket right at the bottom as well so. oh that's really cool yeah it's a very sentimental moment that was my first Thanks. ever gig Sam yeah. you would have been a similar age when you went to see therapy in Cardiff and nearly didn't get in until dad had a word <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. I got nice. the set list, didn't I? They got me blagged the set list off the geezer. Result. Yeah, it, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was a good gig. Um, what was the last gig you went to? Like, last big established band like, gig, rather than the ones you do for, um, your, for your work? Yeah, so, um, last big, like, the last big, oh, I don't know, there's been a few. I'm trying to think different tiers. So, like the last band I saw at the Motor Point Arena or CIA, the Cardiff International Arena, as it's now been appropriately renamed back to. Uh, I think I was Bring Me. I saw Bring Me the Horizon. Um, that was cool. But I also I've, I've been doing some stage crew stuff, so I've I've seen some pretty big bands from backstage. So, like I, I got to work with Ed Shikari when they played the Great Hall like, oh, nice. a few months ago. That was awesome. Um, Stiff Little Fingers. I managed to blag guest list for Stiff Little Fingers when they were in Cardiff through through that through a mate I had at the SU working the stage. Um, and then I think the most recent like big band I saw was Holding Absence. Man, I, I think they count now. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, is there a person who you could say has been a massive influence on like your record collection or like your taste in music? 
like a like a friend, a friend or like a family, family member, member um some like one guy said Lenny <laughs> because he heard motorhead and never looked back you know it's so yeah um i guess tony hawk yeah. man yeah yeah it's gotta be but then by extension that's all because brett gurowitz started in, started collaborating with skaters to to create those sort of promo videos so yeah i think uh probably tony hawk man yeah those soundtracks to find you know push that first domino into to what i listen to now absolutely and not to labor the point but like it is so true because like around that sort of time and and this is interesting because i i i i think i like albums and i like the idea of the, and the process of an album but I listen to playlists more than I listen to albums. I'm, I'm the same, yeah. Um, but I feel like that's it. When I first got into that sort of music, it was it was like you said, Tony Hawk's, and then like fat music for fat people, like the Moon Scar play, like mixed CDs oh. they'd put out, all that sort of stuff. So like that idea that I'm, I, I don't know whether it's, um, I don't know, just just landing tonight, but it, it that. It does feel like it comes comes around a little bit. Yeah, like because how many bands did like? I mean, I guess maybe the difference now is that you would, you know, ten years ago would have gone and bought albums from that band, yeah. or might not now. But like so many bands, I like now, I would have first heard on a compilation CD. Yeah, too. Right. But I think the diff the difference there, the cultural shift is like, I would hear, uh, like Blink on on some compilation CD and go, I need to go and buy the album that this single's on because I love this song so much. I know I'm going to love the whole album. Yeah. That that kind of mentality doesn't need to exist anymore because no. you don't you don't need to commit to an album. You can just listen to it. You can mm. just listen to the big songs and you can just go, yeah, I like it. So yeah, I think you're right. I think the playlist culture is not new at all. Um, I think it's just the consumer shift is like singular now. But yeah. also, it used to be if you liked two songs by a band, you had to buy the album. Yeah, too and, right. <laughs> and like they might be the only two songs on that album you liked and you had to take that punt on it. It is almost a little bit more commitment, I suppose, but yeah, you're more likely to like it. If you spent 15 quid on the book. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> next question is all about what kind of bands you've been in and making music, that sort of thing. And we've had a good chat about that earlier on. Um, but if you hadn't been in the bands or the type of music that you've been making in the past, is there like, a tangent you would have loved to go off is there like do you feel you got a blues album in you or a or a folk record or a country record in you somewhere is there any, anything you'd like to explore that you have that you haven't musically yeah i think yeah definitely actually i i never bothered i never learned an instrument i never i can't play anything i just sort of shout and tell a crowd what to do which is i, I think i'm really good at it. i really enjoy doing that as well i think i'd always end up doing that but i think um i suppose it's never too late to learn an instrument but like that's what i would like to do and i don't even i like those i like those like drummers that can just drum everything like tom tom dodd and squidge man he, he just put him in any band and he'll he'll love he'll just nail it even if he hates it <laughs> like you know ryan's pretty ryan's the same as well you know yeah I, i'm envious of of those kind of musicians um because even as like a, a vocalist and a front man like i'm very i have a very specific style that only really works with one kind of hmm. not necessarily one genre but one vibe you know so like i do i do like a, a lo-fi kind of melodic poetry rap type thing sometimes as a slight creative outlet um 
but even that's still like I gigged it actually last year for the first time. I wanted to ask you about that actually because I, I was going to say I that would be what I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear more of that to be honest. I've heard a couple of tracks Thanks, that you man. posted on socials and stuff. I thought it was yeah. really cool. Cheers. Yeah, I haven't really written anything in a while. Just finding time, isn't it? Like you said. Mm. But, but I'm working with a guy at the moment actually to maybe bring out some more empty stuff. Nice. So, uh, his name is Ben Dismore. Um, He's a really good lo-fi producer slash DJ in Cardiff. Only a young lad, but he's absolutely sick. Uh, he goes by Ruben, R-X-B-R-U-B-X-N, Ruben. Check him out. Right. I think I think that's it. There's some <laughs> variation of that. The vowel is an X. One of the vowels is an X. You don't fancy standing <laughs> in front of a big band and getting your swing on Sammy Davis style? No. Uh, no I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'd have to. I'd be too nervous, man. I, I'm very bad at performing other people's music <laughs> i can't keep time and i mess it up I, the less people relying on me to be good the better <laughs> like, yeah, i think I you're think, probably yeah. talking yourself down a bit there young man but hey. <laughs> oh i don't and, know i don't know <laughs> young man god Rob. <laughs> I walked, <laughs> i'm gonna cut this i went into the co-op the other day right yesterday it was um i've been at work all day i didn't have very good good time at work so i went into the co-op and this little girl turns around, she would have been about four. She just goes, Mum, Mum, he looks like Grandad. <laughs> and I was oh, like, no. Fuck off, kid, I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Oh, sorry you had yeah, to go through it was that. Tough, it was, I tell you. Um, <laughs> if you could book six bands for a one day festival, who would you like to have come and play? <laughs> I was just going to read off the down on the farm, no poetry stage. <laughs> no, this is all time dead or alive. Uh, yeah, one of those. Oh, man. Sorry, Steve, before you just before you do that, and yeah. Rob, feel free to leave this in. You threw me right under the bus the other week on this podcast. I wasn't even on it, going on about how Sam booked the band. He didn't even want to see you. He wanted to see three of their songs. <laughs> Who's that? Hell. So do you know the Go Team? No. Do you know Maybe. The, the Go Team? They were like kind of big and like, mid 2000s and they've got like <laughs> four absolute bangers right so for my festival they were like the first band on so they had I a 20 thought, minute slot yeah <laughs> well yeah or like i'd probably miss half of it because i'd still be in the temp or something that's good right that's the that's the right way to think about that What's question oh uh, yeah yeah uh, i don't know man i really like i know these questions always because i know as soon as i start saying it, i'll be like actually no actually no you know what i mean like slam dunk Slam Dunk Festival as an all day every year, it just gets more and more like my dream lineup. This one, particularly, you know, you had the reunion of kids in glass houses and the Academy is and and whole houses were there. And yeah, they'd probably just see Slam Dunk. Slam Dunk 2023. I think they yeah. were. They yeah. did. The last one I saw they did because they, they do the punk and drublick stage, right? Like because they're finishing up, aren't they? Yes. Oh yeah. So they did two they they had two dates in I don't think it was part of Slam Dunk. I think it was just at the same place, same oh, site. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. I see. Um, Steve, sorry, slight tangent. You must like Creeper. You must like Creeper. I like Creeper. I'm not a yeah. big Creeper fan. A lot of my mates are. Mm. A lot of my mates are big cool Creeper bands. Fans. They're like my, my. That's how up to date I am with stuff. They're my new cool band. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know they played play Slam Dunk, didn't they? And... Yeah, yeah. Right. So who's headlining your festival? Give us that at least. Um, Oasis. That'd be a lot of money in me. Yeah, <laughs> You're talking that. promoter there, I'll get, aren't you? <laughs> I'll, get Oasis, I'll get Oasis back together to headline my festival. I am actually a, a massive Oasis fan. Um, at least the first two albums, I think, are 
works of art so actually that uh, i said that kind of as a joke because like yeah. funny but actually no that that would be sick but yeah, yeah. big old yeah, we'll that. Wouldn't it? oasis supported by bring me the horizon <laughs> nice they were throwing a metalcore like some disgusting sort of metal band after and then we'll round it off with a, a folk brass folk Excellent. Act. um just on oasis <laughs> i did see noah was digging <laughs> something out the other day again I was gonna say about eight, that or? actually. I yeah, I think he has. Um, it was Matt Healy, <laughs> wasn't right, it, yeah, from nineteen seventy five? Oh yeah. Love, by the way, I think he's amazing. Um, oh, he's he's just unapologetically a bellend, <laughs> which isn't an insult. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I heard his. Um, didn't Noel Gallo call him a, a slack jawed fuckwit or something? <laughs> Probably, which is quite a good insult to be fair. But then um, Matt Healy said. What was it? Most people do interviews to promote an album. Noel Gallagher's at the stage where he put, uh, does an album so he can promote his interviews. Yeah, spot on, yeah. I don't like, disagree with that. As soon as I saw it, it was on like some clickbaity headline. I was just like, he's got a record out there. You know, because when, <laughs> when he had that shot at Little Mix as well, who yeah. equally outwitted him with. Uh, well, fucking Lewis Capaldi, man. Like, that's yeah. the big one. No field, uh, no fielding, no fielding is a legend. Yeah, they're gonna say <laughs> no Gallagher, <laughs> no Gallagher versus Lewis Capaldi. That's the best saga. When, mm. when Capaldi comes out, like, dressed as fucking Liam Amazing, Gallagher with no Gallagher on his shirt, like, yeah, hilarious, man. It and then he, put, oh, then he posted like a selfie of him um, at a gig with Noel's daughter. You see that? <laughs> you know, that just in that. the crowd, just like. <laughs> Hey, Dad. Oh, yeah, legend. Yeah, you're right. He, every time, if if Noel Gallagher's in the news, he's been rude mm. to someone, and there's probably an album coming, right? Yeah. Well, he right. Had, like, had to go a little mixed, didn't he? And then, um, what well, I forget which one it was, which is which is poor of me, but her response was, "At least I'm the most talented member of my own family." <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, you know, might not all, be strictly all her family's true. like, "What the fuck, man?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. little mix of from Weymouth. Yeah, no shit. Don't know which one. Perry something. Is there a Perry something? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. I know my famous people. Uh, Steve, which band or artist makes you dance around the kitchen like a bit of a dickhead? You know, you just put it on and you can't help yourself. You gotta just go with it. I really like Anne Marie. You know, the pop Mm. singer. Mm. Yeah, she. That's probably like since two thousand and two. Yeah, I'm listening to like loads of emo stuff. And like alternative, and it's all metal. But then like there'll be like "Ciao Adios" by Amarillo come on, and I'm like, banger. <laughs> do you know which? Uh, this this is turning into a bit more of a confession session. But do you know which one does it for me lately on a similar vein is uh, "Call Me Maybe" Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> that was a fucking great tune. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever hear Ben Howard did a really cool like haunting cover that for um, he... Life Lounge back in the yeah. day? That's that's such a good rendition. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good. He's got good the... Ben Howard actually. Yeah, he's... where where's he gone? I don't know. That's a good question because that first album was was a really really good and B was pretty big. Yeah. There we go. No one buys albums anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a band or an artist? The, or a musician that the whole world just think are amazing and you just don't get it you're like nah it's not for me um, or is there a band that you really really love but you just can't convince anyone that like to feel the same way as you do I have this with Ben Folds you see I'm, I absolutely love Ben Folds I think he's the greatest songwriter of my generation if not all time and I play it for everyone else and they're just like nah I don't get it man no, I feel that. 
I think I think I've I have a very diverse music taste, and also because I have so many pockets of my friendships are like so ingrained in music that like that conversation is different depending on who I'm talking to. Um, sort of universally, I can't really think of anyone who's who's overrated. That's gonna be Coldplay, I guess. But like, are they because they they write a really good catchy white people song like that's <laughs> that's the best description what they do play i've heard in ages <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's not they're not they know what they're doing don't they like i don't necessarily think they're overhyped but i don't get it but then it's also really cool to say yeah, that about cold players it's cool to hate cold and that's kind of that kind of makes them is there inoffensiveness that offends me to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Uh, a lot of band says they're the musical equivalent of boiled rice <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah but like you know that's the brand, isn't it? Good for them. Like, that's what I mean. Like even even bands I think are overrated. I'm like, yeah, but they're, they're, it's not for me, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, is there a band that yeah. you like that? I'll play fans. Yeah. Don't is there a band that you really really like that no one else likes as much as you do? Um, again, depends who I'm talking to. So like, any of my friends in bands is going to be that Oasis comment earlier is going to really piss off some mates. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know that for a fact. Um, I'm quite into. I was really into the. The first Escape the Fate album, and I followed Falling in Reverse from launch as well. Like the second one, I got out of prison, I was like 13, and I was really into that. And that pisses a lot of my mates off as well, because <laughs> they're sort of like Falling in Reverse and now sort of like a bit, a bit like the Justin Bieber of the, the emo world, I guess. Right. But again, I think he's a genius. He's an absolute prick, but he's a genius. Like, yeah, I don't know. Probably, probably, I don't know. I want to say like a grassroots band, but it doesn't no, really no. count, you know. Um, you can tap. Uh, you can time travel to any musical era or scene, any time in the past. Where would you like to go? I'd like to see Oasis at Nebworth, just for the sheer, you know, volume of people. They just see that, you know, the population of an entire city in a field sounds pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> they reckon it's not my it's not my stat, and I don't know it fully um this is a terrible podcasting but they reckon that like there's some the demand for tickets they could have like sold it out for like a week or something oh, yeah, no, ridiculous. So i like i watched you do the, have the statistic don't you it was, i think i want to say it i don't know for sure i'm like not i'm like cert, not certain but i'm sure it was six percent of the uk population tried to buy tickets Christ. which is like a lot of fucking people yeah um so yeah i just think the show i, I don't remember I'm quite confident it's six percent, but mm. double check. Six percent gonna um, be that's gonna be about three million, isn't it? Something like that. Maybe it's just a one, lot of one point two five million, something like that. I'll take you. I'm not a maths guy. <laughs> I'll take you for it. No, neither am I. I thought Thriller <laughs> sold a hundred million records. <laughs> no, five hundred million, you said. Five hundred million was it? Yeah, was you it? said when five you said yeah, I don't no, know five hundred million. And then when yeah. I said no, it's actually like a hundred, you're like, I don't think that's that many. But don't stand by it. <laughs> I'm telling you more than is Thriller in... not the, the the highest selling record of all time. <laughs> I yeah, I just don't think it's inconceivable that one in ten people have bought that record. No, and that's... how many people have it illegally? That's the other thing. Mm. But anyway, that's uh, that's me making a fool of myself on an entirely <laughs> different podcast. But um, yeah, I think Nebworth. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see Brilliant. Nebworth. Is the like the Britpop thing, Steve? Is that like? an influence for you as well or is it is it just um, just so oasis like just oasis i literally got into oasis when hydra eyes were recording at rockfield <laughs> like, oh, right yeah I'd, I'd, I'd heard wonderwall i heard donut back in anger but i was like unfazed by that but then when we we went to rockfield uh to do like a live ep um we were 
recording with um, Nick Bryan, who's absolute fucking legend, but he engineered What's the Story, among ah, like yeah. so many other cool fucking albums as well. Like absolute god in, in that sphere. He's an absolute dude. Um, yeah, he he was recording us, sort of setting us up, and just talking all the stories about Oasis. I'm like, you suddenly start feeling like you're on hallowed ground. I mean, you do mm. anyway, you know, Queen and, and the rest of it, or like Black Sabbath were there, like, it's awesome. But, like, just hearing these, like, really personable stories from from Nick was, like, really cool. And I was like, you know, I've never actually given away just a chance. And I just put, I think I was just, like, listening to What's the Story. Yeah. And, like, Hello, like, the first track on the album is an app. It's fucking banger. It's so good. It's yeah. such a cool, like, sassy, like, it's awesome. And I was like, oh, okay, this is good. And then, yeah, just work through and then, yeah. So, but I didn't. I didn't grow up on yeah. that kind of stuff. They, to be honest, they were like, never one of the whole Blur versus Oasis thing. I totally messed no, up. They, Probably a bit too young. Yeah, they were never Sorry. one for me <laughs> at all. And then, uh, saw we were we were at Isle of Wight Festival when High Flying Birds played, and I wasn't mm. that fast. And then the next minute, I'm halfway down the front with my boy on my shoulder, having a good old sing along to Little by Little. And I don't. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a banger. Yeah. I don't know how I knew the words, but it just—it's just one yeah. of those that seep into you, aren't they? I suppose. So absolutely. Uh, Steve, this is brilliant. Last question. <laughs> you get to add one song to our playlist for the ages. We might send it into space, or you know, bury it down deep for people to find in the future. We've had some wonderful suggestions for songs so far, um, including Kermit the Frog. Had some shit uh, ones. Well, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so, what would you like to add to our playlist? I this is a no-brainer for me. It's got to be "Gobby" by Squidge. Excellent, and we can find that on Spotify, yeah, you, can we? You can find it all over. Yeah, absolutely. It's a banger. Yeah, it's only it's a scrappy, punky grunge thing. It's what we like. Yeah, definitely up your street, Sam. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Sounds yeah, good. that was great. Lots and lots of fun. Um, just remind everyone where they can find you online if you want to be found. Yeah, um, just www.nopoetry.co.uk. Um, that's the best ways to find everything. Everything I'm up to, up, uh, everything I'm up to, and everywhere I'm shouting about it. It's all on nopoetry.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I'll put all of those links in the show notes and all the usual podcast stuff for the socials and the Cheers, Patreon. And if people want to help <coughs> us out with the label project, there's options for that there. Otherwise, um, I was Rob. He was Sam. That was Steve. And we were records and bands. Tell me how good it's